0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito Com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Com. Hello, and welcome to What in Tarnation, Tarno Blog's hot take podcast, on this episode, we're recapping the Phil Knight Invitational for the men's team and the women. I'm Tanya Anderson, and with me, as always, is Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. Hi. I was going to say, I would once again ask how we are, <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things where it's like how your email finds me, and it's a person like laying face down on the ground yeah and and that is me that is how your podcast finds me
1: yeah i i'm recovering i'm here i've not jumped into traffic so i feel like i'm doing okay (laughs) if that is where the standard is set
0: julius have you uh recovered from all that was basketball this weekend
2: uh, I don't know if you have to recover that much if your heart is just dead inside anyway. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> but, but yes, I definitely, now with some time removed from the events and looking ahead, I, I'm i not quite as bad as I felt at the time.
0: See, I'm still mad. I am too. I'm, I'm mad for different reasons. Um, I'm mad that I had to sit through excruciating lengths of basketball yesterday for it to end the way it did. Um, But I guess we should take it from the top. Uh, The Phil Knight Invitational went better at the beginning. Yes. Uh, Carolina won their Thanksgiving game 89-81 against Portland. Uh, Truly, I guess, if you think about it, that was a bit of a canary in the coal mine situation. Uh, Not that most games this season haven't been, but it it probably should have prepared us uh, that they only won by eight.
1: Only won by eight with a 28-point performance from Pete Nance, who has been kind of hot and cold so far this season. It took him scoring 28 points for them to win by eight.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that really should have tipped us off that things were going to get worse before they got better.
2: Yeah. Oh, and yeah, so, well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that eight-point win was stretched out at the end, right? I'm pretty sure.
0: Almost certainly.
2: Yeah, because I... I don't know. It was kind of a double double edged sword because on the one one hand, obviously wanted to win by more than eight versus Portland, but then on the other, you had that uh, kind of breakout performance by Pete Nance to kind of everybody was still talking about when we were for football kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of set us up for should have set us up for the disappointment, but it really didn't um, <laughs> properly.
0: Portland got twenty five points from their bench. UNC got three from theirs. Another thing that I think really should have been sort of like a waving red flag. Um, Anytime that you have these tournaments where you're playing back to back, I feel like the bench being that short is going to bite you. And boy, did it bite them.
1: The interesting thing about that is DeMarco Dunn shot the most shots um, and was the only one with the three points. Seth Trimble didn't attempt a shot. Puff Johnson only attempted one. Justin McCoy didn't attempt a shot. Tyler Nichol only attempted one. So it was very much, okay, I need you to relieve these players and nobody really tried to do anything off of the bench as far as scoring goes. And I don't know if that's a comfort thing. I don't know if they felt like they were being defended that hard. I really don't know what the culprit is there. I would have expected Seth Trimble to at least have tried something. Um, Same with Puff Johnson, really. He's probably the most surprising out of all. them.
2: And it was... Portland. So not trying to knock anyone, but how hard defensively is to main card?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like if you're, I mean, no, dis, I'm not trying to discount Portland, but it's also like you have to go through the ACC and try to take shots. Why are you not taking them against
2: Portland? Well, that's some people are taking shots probably more than they should. but
0: We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Portland finished the game one of their last eight. So, again, uh, if that goes differently, uh could have been a different situation. Um, the thing that stands out to me is um, Baycott only attempted six shots, which yes. feels very low against really anyone, but particularly he, Portland.
1: And he did have a bit of foul trouble. He, he finished the game with four fouls, so that – was a non-zero amount of it, but yeah, you would have expected him to still have fit in more shots somehow.
0: And we've obviously uh put in podcast form our fears about the three-point shooting of this team. They made eleven in this game, which I feel like was unexpected. Um it was not to last.
1: No. Um all that- of
0: this is like Wild foreshadowing. It's like <laughs> you know, things went things went okay, but there were some scary things, and they 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 returned.
2: So maybe we need to do a podcast recap like, after every game and, and roast everybody, so they'll come out and make us you know because what we say they they correct for like a half. Exactly. <laughs> and we, back.
0: we were very hard on Caleb in the last podcast and he scored 23 points against Portland.
1: A very efficient 23 A points.
0: very efficient <laughs> 23 points.
1: Unlike I the game that we were talking
0: about. <laughs> 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 so, you know, our, our pep talk worked for one game. Um... Do we feel like we have covered Portland? Because I feel like we've said everything that there is to say about about that game.
1: There's not a lot to say other than they played arguably their best game of the season. And then things slid downhill going into
2: the rest of the term.
0: They certainly played a game.
2: Yes. <laughs> I was about to say, please let's not say that it was the best game and they won by eight against poor. <laughs> We're in trouble. Yeah.
1: Isn't it kind of messed up that it's I have to tee it up that way?
0: It's a good game that they played. Um, so, yeah, if you felt good about that, uh, there was a, an Iowa State game waiting for you. And I remember – telling Brandon that I was extremely pessimistic about this Iowa State game before it even happened because I reviewed the competition that Carolina has played so far and the result, which basically meant barely getting by, barely getting by, barely getting by and it was just like the first time they play a real team they can't play like they have been or it's not going to go well iowa state is a real team and friends it did not go well
1: yeah um a lot of that was because of caleb grill yes (laughs) if if you are listening to this and didn't watch the game and you don't know who caleb grill is well
0: I envy you that ability.
1: Because I will remember that name for at least the next year or two because it will forever be burned in my brain as the guy that torched Caleb Love all night long, shooting three after three after three. He finished the game with 31 points, seven of 11 from three, 11 of 15 from the floor.
2: Okay. But let me interject here and say: What if that was an audition? It might have been an audition.
0: <laughs> Doesn't it always end up being that? How many times have we seen that though? Yeah. Like yeah. one one guy's like, maybe next year I'd like to transfer.
2: Yeah. yeah yeah and whether it's correct or not yeah i just assume that the one player that's going off is doing and i guess maybe not our state because they're not um you know a biggest team or something like that but yeah definitely there's one person going off like that i'm like okay are you trying whose attention are you trying to get and why is it unc's
1: (laughs) yeah i caught a little bit of heat for pointing out that this guy came out of nowhere shooting way better than he had for the entirety of the season so far. And while I understand that, that um, bringing that up is kind of played out, we should just expect that at this point, that a player is just going to go bonkers against UNC. Um, You know, I think what the person was trying to say was that it's at some point it's the it's UNC's fault it's not necessarily that this player just turned into the Incredible Hulk or something my argument against that Iowa State versus UConn the very next game Caleb Grill 0 for 5 from the field 0 for 5 from 3 made one free throw finish the game with one point.
0: But see, I feel, and I, you know, we just, we discussed that this person disagreed with you and we're married. So I do my best to hype you up. (laughs) Um, I disagree with the idea that like these players come out and like puff out their chest because it's UNC. Um, My... (laughs) My thing is I think that old habits die very hard. And for some reason, UNC plays defense in a way that makes it easier for these players to have that type of night. Um I'm not going to discount that there is an element of like UNC is going to get, you know, Top effort. Um, I think that's a thing. Um, but I I think at its core we don't defend the three well, basically ever, unless it's like leaky. And uh all it takes is a guy having a good night and a favorable matchup, and you have a Caleb Girl.
2: Well, I guess I'll kind of agree with Brandon here because is we talked about this during the off season, right? So not only do you have the North Carolina factor, which is a thing, you have the number one factor, which is a thing too. Right. And I believe it was even Roy it was like, not even talking about number one, he was talking about North Carolina. He's like, Hey, somebody's going to get, you know, 30 points or whatever. As long as we get ours, we're going to be fine and limit everybody else. So I, I, so I think that's definitely uh, a holdover from the War Williams era that, you know, let's there's going to be one guy that gets theirs uh, in these type of situations, but let's make sure that we uh, kind of lock everybody else down and also get ours. But the problem is when we don't get ours. Right. But how
0: much of that is because they don't defend perimeter well? That's just not part – like – It doesn't seem to be an emphasized part of their strategy on defense. And I feel like it has been that for as long as I can remember. Um, And they make up for it with their post presence, but they leave guys out on the perimeter probably a little too open and that's probably emphasized when you have a, a a guy that isn't necessarily your your best defender I, I will okay we we talked about this i don't know why Leaky was never switched yes. onto that guy
1: that is the one thing that will that has just puzzled me to no end i mean if they th- that is where i definitely agree with you is where it's like I don't know why coming into going into the second half, why Huber didn't make that switch put Leaky on real because he truly was the one carrying the Cyclones on his back. Like Holmes had 22 points, but it wasn't as damaging. Like he only shot four three pointers. When you have a guy lighting you up from three, you got to do something like make them work for shots near or in the paint but you can't just let this guy that's hot and at the in the perimeter not be guarded by your best perimeter defender that's crazy to me
0: yeah i just don't after the dude makes like three i i don't really understand why you don't switch leaky onto him at that point.
2: okay all right and granted so i'll ask you this so do you think is that we just don't go or that we can? Because as you know, some of these things, when we're, we're when they're running these pick and rolls and stuff, man, um, they're looking kind of lost out there.
0: For sure. And I, I think, I don't think it's a can't. I definitely think that it is a positioning thing almost yeah. they always just seem to not be where they needed to be. And that lets the other team swing it enough to find an open man. And then, I mean, the glimpse of like a Carolina player running with his arm outstretched while a guy is like wide open, I feel like has been burned into my brain.
2: Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So which is worse. That glimpse of a Carolina player running out to the perimeter at the last minute with his hand stretched out or a post player watching someone zoom by them for a layup. Oof.
0: I mean, um. I I don't think it has to be all one or the other um, in an ideal world. I just think that we have certainly emphasized the latter more than the former at least as long as I have been covering this team.
1: I think and their problem. two biggest struggles when it comes to defending the perimeter is they'll sag in on the opposite opposite side of the floor if a team is good enough to kick in the ball around. For some reason, there's always like one guy that sagged in too much and they cannot get to that guy quick enough to get their hands up. I think another problem is definitely the pick and roll thing. I think some guys just get caught up in it and cannot like, I feel like Caleb struggles getting around ball screens sometimes. And I think that is a recipe for disaster. Um, And to be fair, there's situations like what happened at some, at one point in the game where grill got the ball in the logo you wouldn't think he would shoot that. And if you thought he was going to shoot it, you wouldn't think he would make it. And he shot it right in Caleb's eye. But that was like more of the exception of the rule. But I think there's definitely something about how UNC defends. And I'm not even saying that like it could never work, but I feel like it is for some reason historically hard for Carolina players to do. And I've never really been able to understand it.
2: Yeah, and so another reason that I asked that is because I saw a lot of both yeah, um, Yeah. in both of these games. And, you know, like obviously, I think we can overcome one, but you cannot do both. Yeah.
0: For sure. And we talked about this in the last podcast, but shooting 17% from three yourselves while you have a guy... Out shooting you alone um, it, it's not it's not going to end well more often than not um, it certainly did not end well in this game um, and offensively it just kind of seemed like a mess um, despite the fact that Carolina turned it over only four more times than Iowa State Iowa State scored 21 points off those turnovers and Carolina scored just six off of Iowa State turnovers. That is a massive difference. And I mean, just looking at these field goal numbers, Baycott was five of six, which is good. Um, I'm still kind of confused why he's only getting six shots up a game. Um, I I, he was in foul trouble a bit there too, but he still played 37 minutes. Um, I can guess looking at the other field goal numbers, why he's not getting more shots off. Um, I will get <laughs> but, um, I feel like it's, it's a big disservice that he is for two games in a row here, um, has only taken six shots. Um, um, but then you get to Caleb and RJ. Caleb was 4 for 14 and RJ was 5 for 14. Uh each of them was 1 for 7 from 3. That's somehow not as bad as it would become later.
2: But yeah. Okay. But so I will say hats off to RJ for not letting it just be the you know, Caleb Love volume show. So they both did it. <laughs> He's still. like,
0: oh no, I'm going to get my shots up. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. <laughs> but, but still, yeah, it is a very big problem with uh, with um shot selection and volume. And as we'll find out you know, a little later, <laughs> that just com- combines for a disaster. So we, right. we we thought that was it. Once <laughs>
0: again, canary in the coal mine, like these things should have been like flashing warning lights at us and we were kind of just like ah, you know Caleb Grill what can you do mm, no it uh it had not yet reached its final form
1: it it didn't um there was also a lot of opportunity with Iowa state getting in so much foul trouble
0: mm-hmm. and
1: i don't feel like we capitalized on that
0: which again could have been done better if they was allowed to touch the ball
1: yeah yeah um s- shot selection i feel like was probably the biggest problem in this game as well as the next game that we're going to talk about
0: puff tried his best to win this game though
1: yeah he did for and, sure
0: and it was just not to be but he tried
1: yeah um, shout outs to UNC's bench on this one, because if I remember correctly, this was the game where the entire bench was in the positive of plus minus and the starters were in the negative.
0: I think you are correct about that. Um, not, a not a glowing, not a glowing resume for the starters there.
1: That just can't happen. But yeah, uh, shout outs to the bench. Um DeMarco Dunn led the team in plus minus with six which was that was great I mean it was kind of interesting because he only had two points but he was a positive on the floor so shout outs to him Um
0: this was also the game where Leakey scored with 355 left in the game and Carolina did not hit another field goal until the buzzer when Puff tipped it in. They did make two free throws in that time, but they just did not score from the floor in that time. Um, and I think that is really where things got super frustrating. It was just letting Iowa State go on such a big run at the end. It was demoralizing.
1: Yeah. They just have to be better closing out games. And once again, that's another thing they ran into.
0: They let them go on a 10-0 run. From 303 left in the game until 23 seconds left in the game. Pain. Then I run. So, yeah, that was bad and somehow not the worst.
1: Because we had quadruple overtime in the Alabama game for the second time in Carolina history. And it was perhaps the most painful basketball game that I've ever watched in my
2: life. If we never do another one of those, it'll be too soon. Like, I'm not interested in doing that again. Never.
0: So there were four overtimes. They played three halves of of basketball. So inevitably, some stats are gonna look a little weird. Uh-huh. Um but 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 um, our boy Caleb, God bless him. When he is on, I there are a few people that you would rather have in your corner. When he is not on, he will do everything in his power to return to the guy that is on. Um, he scored 34 points, which is extremely impressive. But efficient, he was not.
1: No. 13 of 36. From three-point land, he was 3 of 11. Um, I feel like... There was part of the second half where things started going back downhill again for him, and then it got into overtime. Did he keep UNC in the game for those four overtimes? Yes. But he also made things worse at the same time, and it was probably the most puzzling thing that I have ever watched.
2: (laughs) So I'll say that I'm I'm almost positive that I looked at the stat line and he had 31 shots going into the first overtime. And, yeah, it seemed like at the end of the at each overtime period, well, other than the second one, he had, like, the last shot. And I'll say that when you get a rebound and you're able to take it back down to four to get the last shot from a tied game, um, you know, with enough time, pulling up for a 19-footer is not where it's at. No. Um, Especially not sure. in a game where everybody had the fouls that we all had. Like, the first – I know, and I because I even said this, I know the first overtime period should have ended and at least a foul with an opportunity to win at the free throw line. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Caleb took 10 shots in overtime.
1: Yes. And to put that into perspective, Leaky Black took five. RJ Davis took seven. Close, but not there.
0: No one else took more than one.
1: Baycott took one. Pete Nance took one. Puff Johnson took one.
2: Yeah. Baycott. Well, to be fair to Baycott, he is the for most of that, too.
0: Yeah.
1: He was. Um, and we found out after the game why, um, at the time it was very perplexing, but we did find out that he has an ankle injury.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't know that at the time and I was very confused. I mean, yes, he had four fouls. Everyone had four fouls. I had four fouls. You had four fouls. Um, so it was very confusing as to why he wasn't playing, um, but the ankle makes sense and it sounds like it's a uh, decently bad thing to the point that he said that he would try his best to go on Wednesday against Indiana. Um, so hopefully he, hopefully he does what he needs to do to heal up and doesn't try to force it. Um, but you really missed his presence in overtime. If he would have been allowed to touch
2: the ball, well, and what happened? The one thing, the one time that he did, he was able to touch the ball. What happened? He was called for a charge in the restricted area. Yeah. yeah. To end the second overtime.
1: Yeah, it was. I I don't even know and. What we got instead was a lot of Caleb love ball and, you know, having the insight of Baycock getting hurt, I understand it this much more. And I know nobody on the podcast can see what fingers I'm on, but my fingers are very, very, very close together. Um, but still we saw Caleb and ISO, which what, we saw Caleb in a varied form of iso where somebody was setting a high pick for him and in that scenario you have two choices you can either try to drive to the rim yourself or you can you know kick it to the roll guy and they can get to the rim as you know instead of you a lot of what ended up happening was either a he would take a three B he would take a mid range shot or C he would shoot a floater. He was in love with the floater in this game.
0: He loved the floater.
1: I don't understand why he loved the floater so much. Sometimes it went in, but he missed a lot. Um, But you're
2: you're not cam job.
1: Right. (laughs) But ultimately I felt like I was watching James Harden trying to play through the pain. And I know anybody that's watched the nba enough you know exactly what i'm talking about you're hoping for fouls you're hoping that you know you're shooting badly but i'm james harden so i'm gonna make it eventually like that was basically caleb and it was super frustrating
0: i feel like every time he misses he just becomes more powerful yeah but in like not necessarily the best way but like Every time he misses it, like fuels his hate fire, and he's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna run it back," and then he does, and he misses again. He's like, "Okay, I'm gonna run it back," and we repeat that process 36 times.
2: <laughs> and well, and, and is uh, equally as frustrated. If you remember the in the Portland game, he was like four four from within with a step inside the arc, right? With with his mid range, so so like I told, um, even so I told Brandon, I was like, hey, maybe he just needs to <laughs> before when he catches it, when he's gonna uh, hock it up, you know, outside the arc, take a step inside and do that. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a great mid mid range game. Uh, you know, as opposed to chalking up a 19 footer and it being a run out, which is I've been telling you guys for a year now. That's every time he misses it from outside there, what happens? Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. Yeah,
0: I would like to read some some stats uh, to you all. And uh, if you have any children listening, please shield their ears because they they do not need to hear this. Um, Alabama scored 20 points off turnovers, uh, despite turning the ball over more than UNC. Uh, They out rebounded Carolina by four. They had 21 offensive rebounds to Carolina's 17. And uh they had 47 bench points.
1: That is insane.
0: 47. I
1: don't I don't even know what to do with that one. And I remember the broadcasters saying that Alabama was deep. That's a <laughs> that's a different level of deep that that is the I'm ocean. Right. That is something that you would probably expect from a UNC team's bench if we actually had that type of depth or something. Like, we don't see that much from
2: our our teams. Like,
0: that is astounding.
2: Yeah. And here's the kicker. UNC still should have won. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They had many, many, many opportunities, and they just could not pull it off and there was even the mistakes they were making uh even like closer to the actual end of the game where there was a push by Caleb there was the ball ending up out of bounds somehow
0: yeah there were a lot of weird things in this one um I mean the game all but ended on an overturned goaltending call. Um don't know that we'll ever see that again, but we we sure I mean if you're not gonna get it in a four overtime game, when are you gonna get it? Um but there were there were just a lot of oddities in this one and it all added up to just supreme frustration. Um I don't know where else to put this so I will put it here. It sounds like the Alabama coach showed his entire rear end when leaky got hurt, and that is a level that I wouldn't even expect out of uh the guys who wear red down the road
1: yeah
0: um I don't think there's a place for that um <laughs> They, they have video boards in those arenas uh-huh. and it clearly showed that Leaky twisted his ankle pretty bad on that play. Um, he was clearly not trying to milk it as he was doing everything he could to like tighten his shoe up to keep going. Um, so for that coach, to say, literally anything, much less something that his mom could hear from where she was sitting, it's tasteless.
1: If this was the Breakfast Club, I'd give him Donkey of the Day. <laughs> I I would hit the hee button. Like I, you don't know Leaky. First off, right. that kid isn't going to BS anything. Like he's not just going to fake an injury and. Like, he wants to be out there. He wants to play. Like, he, it, and to assume that of any player, I mean, obviously, we've seen that in football. And that's that's a whole other thing. But it it's really clownish to assume that somebody's faking an injury in basketball.
2: I don't understand.
0: To get out of shooting free throws? Like, please, please. <laughs>
2: So I think that he said the way that he said what he said is because of what his team had been doing all game. Like I said, if he wanted – like, so because it was before that where he was wanting a flop warning, I think it's on Baycott. And I'm like, if Nate Oates wants a flop warning, he needs to get in line because we've been asking for one for like 10 in a row for like his own team. Um, so, yeah, that was classless and um, very disappointing that he would do that. Uh, congrats on the win. For our sake, I hope you do um, better and then fall in the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, for you to, to act the way that you acted about that, uh, especially knowing what your team, what you obviously coached your team to do anyway. So, like, even if Leaky was uh, faking, what have, you, what have your guys been doing, you know, the whole 50 minutes that we've been playing?
1: But also you got to pick who shot the free throws. So I don't understand the problem. Like, I, if I remember correctly, Baycott was in the game.
2: How do you even this book? Right.
0: And, like, Leaky isn't a terrible free throw shooter, so I don't understand where you would even cook up an idea that he was trying to get out of shooting free throws. Um, but truly, like, I, I've said for a long time that I've been driving the Leaky Black hype train, um, and I'm ready to square up on anybody that says anything about him. So... Uh, Nate Oates, you're welcome to schedule some time. But like, I just thought that that was really, really low for a guy who's coaching a team that is like legitimately talented. Like you, you don't need to be cheap. And I felt like that was cheap.
2: I honestly put them in the same realm as Brownell uh, wagging his finger in front of Roy Williams. at yeah.
0: And I, I remember that I will probably remember this when something bad happens to Alabama, I'll be like, well, remember the time <laughs> because that's, that's the kind of uh, petty that I am as a fan, but I was mad about that, and I continue to be mad about that.
1: Well, they can enjoy their football program that they care about way more than they care about basketball not being in the college football playoffs this year. That is my petty dig
2: of (laughs) the week. (laughs) What if we did the orange ball? Oh.
0: Do not put that out into the universe. We do not need that.
2: <laughs> Jeez. But everybody else is beating saving this year. Why can't Mac Brown? I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. That would actually just
1: make me cry because I know it wouldn't happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know that I know the answer to that. I'm just saying 2022 is a year <laughs> for anything. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Also, uh, last podcast, I put out an all-points bulletin for Dontre Styles, And uh, lo and behold, he did appear in Portland. Um, Still not sure why he is, I mean, unless we are missing something, in in which case, you know, happy to to be corrected. Um, I still don't understand why he is kind of relegated to two minutes. In this like 40-year-long game that was played.
1: So so far this year, he has played two minutes against Alabama, five minutes against um Gardner Webb, four minutes against College of Charleston, and three minutes against UNCW.
0: I don't get it. I'm I'm just I don't I don't get it.
1: I don't either. The only thing I can think of is Hubert Davis doesn't like what he's been seeing in practice. Or he, Loki, has some injury that he is dealing with, and really, like, I feel like the only reason we saw him in this game is because there was so much foul trouble. Yeah, which, uh, like, I I've wanted him so badly to come off the bench this year and be good. Um, I've been rooting for the kid, but it seems like so far this just hasn't been a great year for him so far. I know that you have to have more playing time to have anything remotely close to a good year, but clearly there's something going on in practice that isn't allowing him that type of play time.
0: I just feel like this tournament really showed why playing with a short bench is detrimental, and I know that they're not going to have to play three games in four days again uh, for at least the rest of the regular season. But I just feel like Hubert Davis has to get more out of this bench if they have any hope of being the team that we hope they are, want them to be. And um, aside from Puff and a little bit of Trimble – I I don't know. I just don't know.
2: I will say that um, please stop with the UNC Mrs. Brady Manick post. Right Is that now. a thing? Yes. Even Gary Parish. Um, it was Gary Parrish. I'm pretty sure somebody from CBS tweeted out um, UNC Mrs. Brady Manick right now and Brady Manick wasn't Brady Manick right now. No, uh, so let's please start with that.
0: But also, like I don't know, Brady Brady Manic, uh, like you said, was not the Brady Manic we got in the postseason. Certainly, at this point of the year, last year, I remember being extremely frustrated with Brady Manic early on like yeah. extremely to the point where I was like, I don't know what anyone saw in him. I don't know why we wasted a scholarship on him. Like these were all things that I said or thought early on last year.
2: Well, and so I mean, and what I really mean to say by that is, so Brady Manning himself didn't even really start uh, voicing his frustrations or um, cementing himself like in the you know starting lineup kind of thing until the White forwards get,
0: Yeah. Is that what it's about, less like his on court stuff and more his off court stuff i
2: i'm 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 going to say both because you know we're not privy to the off court stuff, right? We can only see what the production is on court and kind of um you know kind of tag that to what's also happening off court but we we really didn't see him um affect the team as much until January, yeah, for sure.
1: And I mean, that that's the thing, is I feel like with any transfer, there is definitely a learning period. We had it with Cam Johnson. We were having that with Dawson Garcia, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to stay with the program long enough for things to kind of take off for him. We had it with Brady Manic. I feel like what's happening right now with Pete Nance taking Brady Manic's spot is he's still learning. And To his credit, in the midst of his learning, he's had a couple of really good games. So I feel like it's only going to be a matter of time before things start looking closer to the Manic situation than they do now. I still think it's unfair to compare players too much. So, like, I don't want to sit here and be like Pete Nance should be Brady Manic, but I think right now what's happening with this team that has nothing to do with Manic is that they were, (laughs) they were ranked the number one team in the country. And what we've learned is that maybe that was a bit too ambitious for November. And
0: should it have been?
2: No. Well, I don't know that it's too ambitious, but I would definitely take being ranked number one in the nation and what just happened happened because, Look at what's happened. So we're number one. We lost two of three uh, in in Portland and PKI. So now we're number 18. Now you get to regroup, but you're still 18th, right? It's not a... Yeah. Um, It's not a you've been left for dead situation. I I don't know how, how much that kind of plays into their psyche or whatever, but you're still 18, so you're still at a period where, okay, cool, you're going to number 10 Indiana, you've got Ohio State, you've got Virginia Tech kind of thing. So you can kind of regroup and kind of show people some things, you know, what they expected to see kind of thing or you could fall further as opposed to, okay, you're kind of an afterthought, which is what we did hear that quite a bit last season, right? It was like, oh, everybody's left us for dead. They're not really thinking about this kind of thing. So uh, I still kind of take that all over again. Um, if, uh, if we had a choice.
0: I just, I don't know. My thing is that being number one felt right knowing who they were returning, how they played at the end of last year. All of that seemed fair. And we just have not seen anything close to that this year. It's just not there. And I I do not know what accounts for all of that. Um, They certainly haven't played competition that – would dictate that you wouldn't be able to see the team that was deserving of a number one ranking. Um, I am honestly vaguely afraid of what happens in Bloomington this week and then against Ohio State Um, because if the same team shows up, I mean, you're easily looking at, A four-game losing streak.
2: Yeah, true, true, true. But as we were talking earlier, is that okay? Cool. But Indiana has kind of been in the same situation. Now, I guess the only big, the only big difference in their case is they have been blowing out, you know, the teams they should blow out. But their stiffest competition has been Xavier. Um. Which was a which was a four point win. Who just lost to a a struggling you know Gonzaga team, and so I I know the dynamics that we're going to Assembly Hall, and I got it. But it that kind of feeds into the opportunity that we have, right? So let's regroup from Portland. Let's see what you're going to give us. Let's see what we're going to do up on the road uh, in Indiana. Um, And yeah, so you want to get blown out? We get blown out. You want to you know show college basketball world, what we should be looking at. Let's do that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm very conscious of the fact that we could be looking at a four-game losing streak, but uh, I'm going to pull out my optimistic hat here and hope that we don't. <laughs> but, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out in two days.
0: <laughs> I also hope that we don't. I just, I look at all of the results From the season so far. And. They've played bad teams close and lost to teams that are even like. Remotely good.
1: Doesn't it feel a little bit like they need the motivation of people not hyping them up?
0: (sighs) I think that that. sort of uh, an easy thing to fall back on, like the, oh, we're only, like, capable if we're disrespected. Um, I I think they just need a cohesiveness that they have not had. We've just not seen them play, like, one solid group, as them, evidenced by what happened against Alabama.
2: I need them to have a practice with Courtney Banghart's team,
0: which is the complete opposite, truly. Like, yeah. that team is such a unit,
1: they're killing it right now. They just took down number five Iowa State.
0: To win the
1: Phil Night invitation. invitation.
2: Yeah. So and fair. And so they have not been without the dramatics too, right? They weren't they came from behind in all three games. Yes. But that was the point. They came from behind in all three games. And this is not a new thing for them either. Whereas we've been talking about, you know, up until the postseason run that we had for men's basketball last year. We we're always talking about it need to be a team, you know, team event, team game kind of thing. And, and they finally turn it on. That has not been the case for the women's basketball team. They have always been a unit um that has played, I want to say for the last you know year and a half at least. Um, so yeah, I, just, I, I wish they would just <laughs> have joint practices or something, or, or watch.
0: Deja Kelly only attempted 21 shots in their win over Iowa State um I have a hard time thinking you should be taking uh 15 more shots than Deja Kelly is is all I'm is all I'm
2: saying <laughs> yep agreed. especially when they're not falling yes yeah correct
1: but yeah shout outs to the women. They play Indiana Indiana next. So they will also be traveling to Bloomington. Mm-hmm. So we will see if both teams can take down the Hoosiers, if one of the teams takes down the Hoosiers. I feel like the women should take. That's
0: going to be an incredible game. It's
1: going to be really fun. Um,
0: yeah. I have There's more you- faith in the women than I do the men at this current state
2: (laughs) and it's it's funny you say that because i've had more faith in the women's team than i've had in the men's for at least the last season and a half well Mm -hmm. season and a quarter because you know we're not halfway through the season but even last year even last year because the last year the women got off to like an 11-0 start you know uh at one point they were like number one in the uh, ncaa rpi I was like this because I kept telling Brandon. I was like, "Hey, you guys need to pay attention." And even more so, I'm seeing inside Carolina now send somebody with them where they weren't. They weren't, you know, before. Um, so, yeah, I, no, I have an abundance of faith for the women's team, even if they went on the road and lost. Because Indiana is fifth. UNC only rose to sixth after being eighth. So, Uh, So even if the women's team goes to Indiana and loses, I still have more faith in them uh, at this point to have a better season. They will be just fine if they lose to Indiana, Um,
1: especially looking forward at their schedule. They have UNC Wilmington coming up, then Wofford, then South Carolina Upstate. Uh, Two of those teams are sub 500 right now. Uh, That's all before they get to number 17, Michigan, followed by on-ranked Florida State. So like, this this next month for them, I feel like if they lose to Indiana, it is what it is. If they win against Indiana, then, I mean, that pretty much puts them into the top five in the, conf, in the country.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, they should, so I, I thought they should have already been top five, but they'll have a chance to prove it on um, Thursday. Yeah,
0: and um, Indiana looks like they are going to be without um, one of their better players. Um,
2: so are both the men's and women's team going to be without one of their better players?
0: Um, I think so. Grace Berger. She has been averaging 10 points a game for them so far this year, um, but she hurt her knee uh, over the weekend. So, um, I don't think she's going to end up playing against Carolina. So opportunity for the women, for sure. Um, I think they would be, they would hold their own either way. Um, but it, it could, it could be pretty, it could be pretty big for them. <laughs> um, to go on the road like that and take on a top five team and come away with a win.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think both teams have a big opportunity in Bloomington. I hope both teams capitalize. The big question for the men will be whether or not Baycott plays because right now it's unclear. He says that he wants to try to play. He might, he might not. We've discussed how, If he is injured enough, he probably shouldn't play um, for the sake of playing the long game. But I will say that this is one of the more difficult games left for them for a bit because the ACC is kind of bad this year, at least as far as rankings go. The only three ranked teams in the conference right now are Duke, UNC, and Virginia.
0: But also that, you know presents the issue of last season where you really have to get your wins in the non-conference schedule because the conference schedule may very well not afford you much in the way of like quad one wins. Right. Um, So that's definitely something for them to be cognizant of. Um, I think my thing is just hoping for efficiency like, I, I'm i not expecting perfection. I just feel like we have to meet somewhere in the middle of all the volume and see what comes out the other side. Um, I fear that if Baycott doesn't play, it could end up looking similar to the Alabama game. In terms of how many shots the guards take, and that terrifies me.
1: This is definitely a situation where it hurts that Jalen Washington isn't ready yet. I feel like he would be, he would definitely be involved in this type of situation if he was ready ready um i think last i heard he's going through practices now but it still may be a little bit before we see him but um because if baycott doesn't play we will probably see a three guard lineup with nance at center and i'm not 100 percent sure how that's gonna go
2: yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, you'd have to – I guess you'd have to find out when uh, Baker injured himself again um, to kind of see how, how much that's been affecting him. Um, I don't know. Like you said, I so I'm equal parts, like, wanting him to um, do what's best for him, if that means sitting out, right, and playing the long game. But I'm also wanting to see – let's see what this team is going to do when they don't have, you know, Baycott. Let's, yeah. Going into it, not like losing him in a game, you know, not like with him sitting because he's got foul trouble. Let's see what they're going to do because it's not like we have a lack of talent on this team. Yeah, and that's really
1: the thing is they have to figure out how to get things done in an efficient manner without one of their best players. And I, that should – I understand that that's difficult to a point. I mean, there's obviously things built around what Baycott's able to do, but I also think that if you are as good of a team as you were claimed to be, you know, before the season started, you should be able to figure these type of things out. You still have more talent than a lot of teams in the country. Um, I I don't know where they fall when it compared to Indiana. But I feel at least like you need to be able to compete the whole 40 minutes of the game.
2: Well, and then the other thing, too, is uh, so say, you know, Baycott doesn't play, I don't think Pete has given them enough to where they feel like they need to double-team him, at least initially, uh, right. Every you know, if they'll give it to him, you know, in, in post. So... I don't know, maybe that presents an opportunity which can open up some lanes, but obviously that only matters if they're, A, looking for him uh, down there or, um, you know, making better shot selections. So all the stuff that we've lamented, I still believe that we would not be looking at a two-loss Carolina team with one or two better shot decisions. And, you know, so for me... I kind of err on the side of, okay, let's have some better sight. Let's have some better um, decision-making and get some of this cleaned up. Um, Right. Yeah, we'll see.
0: Also, beep, beep, here comes the leaky black hype train again. Um, He's been shooting well so far this season, and I feel like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to have that confidence to – shoot it when he gets it. Um I think there is still like this hesitation that he shows that it, it's kind of like, oh, I should pass it instead of shooting it. Um But I mean, he's, he's shot better this season than I think um, people really give him credit for usually. And I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if he did take a few more of those shots um and and just see what happens
2: yeah no I I agree just like well just like the end of um especially our pro season run right he took some uh um, some opportune shots that made him um so yeah I what was it there was like at least a stretch last year where Baycott was um attempting a three and I was like you know I don't hate it (laughs) because (laughs) we needed, you know, we needed something. He hit, you know, you know, one or two that looked pretty good, Uh, and Leaky has done a little better than that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, no, yeah, I, I think if, well, even if Bacon is not out, but especially if Bakeout is out, um, I'd rather him, you know, chalk up nine or ten versus somebody else doing, you know, thirty-six or forty at a thirty-six percent clip. (laughs) <laughs> you know, right.
0: So. Exactly. And I feel like Leaky's three has looked pretty good in the attempts that he's had so far this season. So um, if we have to get a couple more of those and he, he, even if they don't go in, I feel like just having him be a threat to shoot helps things. And right now they they could use that help.
2: No, nope, I agree. And his shot selection is 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 a lot better uh than some others too. So.
0: Absolutely. And I I would love for our pal to uh make us look very silly, to uh make us have to get on here and uh, do several, you know, apologies. Um if if Caleb wants to, to make that happen, I'm fully here and willing. Me too. (laughs) Um, but, but we'll see how Wednesday goes and, uh, hopefully, hopefully it will at least go a little better than whatever we saw in Portland on Sunday.
2: Yep. Well, I'm at least hoping for one win. So I'm, I'm just glad they're both teams are playing the same opponent. <laughs> the same for squad.
0: sure. I think we will at least get one. Don't know. Don't know about the other one. Um, but I think we I think I at least feel good about one. But we will be back to recap whatever goes on uh, with those games. Um. But that is all that we have for this one. Guys, where can the people find you?
2: You Find me at THB Brandon. And you can find me at UNC underscore Tar Heel Fan.
0: And I am at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Until next time, go go heels. Go heels. Go heels.